It's finally finished, but boy, wasn't it slow? Something that is driving me to uh, want to drink at the moment, the first thing is waiting for this government to actually be able to form because of this bizarre three-week wait for special votes. We need to cut through this crap with some sort of bloody chainsaw. The election's done with, and some people weren't happy with the process. The workload to sort this country is gargantuan and three weeks has been wasted time. It's frustrating for everybody that we can't get results quicker than what we can. It's holding things up for New Zealand. And as for our MMP election system, well... The trickiness of having three parties working together in a way that looks cohesive. MMP not particularly flash at that. I, I certainly think that there's some questions to be asked about how we can uh, improve the electoral system. But others are pretty relaxed about it. I'm not in big panic too. I think, gosh, at least people trust the system. The Green Party is defending the near three-week wait for a final election result, saying it's the price paid for a robust and accessible voting system. Chris Lightson himself said he doesn't even know Winston Peters. This has probably just given him some, <laughs> some nice breathing room. Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail, MMP and our election process... Is it laborious or is it just a price we pay for accuracy and fairness? Can part of the problem be sheeted home to a relatively recent law allowing people to enrol on election day? Is there room for improvement? How's it done in the country we got the idea from in Germany? A lot of people, or when I say a lot of people... <laughs> Patrick Gower? Patrick Gower and Christopher Luxon, it seems. A few people have complained about how slow it's been waiting for the final result to come through. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I think there are probably areas where it could be faster. I'm talking here to Thomas Coglin, the New Zealand Herald's deputy political editor. All the parties who are in Parliament will be looking for ways to make it faster. The key issue will be what the trade-offs are. One of the things that's making the count slower is that we have a large number of special votes which are due to people enrolling on the day, which is actually the vote I cast this year. I, I was um, really lazy and didn't enrol. So I cast a, a special vote um, and enrolled on the day, partly as well because I'm a bit of an elections tourist but, and I thought I'd see what the process was like. So we can blame um, you for that, Thomas, can we? Can we blame, can blame you me. for the slow yeah, three-week wait? It. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting process. I went into a polling station, um, enrolled. I wouldn't recommend it. It, it took about... 10 minutes, and you know, which is much longer than the usual process where you just wander in and tick a box. So certainly if you can enrol uh, in advance, that would be the best way to do it. But it was great uh, for me, and it's definitely possible to do. Um, the reason why these votes take so long is that when they're processed, the Electoral Commission has to actually see whether you are eligible to vote and make sure that you haven't voted multiple times. If I'd, I'd sort of gone around multiple polling stations and rolling on the day, um, the Electoral Commission would find this Thomas Coughlin guy had voted 10 times and they would find that out and disallow my votes. Oh. Uh, so, so that's what they're doing there. Plausible that you could do that. There's nothing to stop you from just getting in a car and hitting up a bunch of polling stations. And that's what they're trying to prevent. Obviously, it's quite a necessary thing to do for um, people who enrol on the day. When Parliament passed the changes to allow this, this is actually only a recent thing. In 2020, was it? 2020, yeah. Uh, and when, when Parliament debated it, officials at the Ministry of Justice said that special votes, which is what these votes are, talk about 10 times longer to count than an, another, an ordinary vote. And that is essentially one of the problems is that with the large number, number of special votes that are being cast, it does naturally take longer to count them. And that's sort of the trade-off that we're dealing with is between access to voting, because obviously you want as many people who can vote to be able to vote as possible. You want to encourage uh, and allow that. 
uh, consequence of that is that it takes longer to count those votes. Well, maybe it's just my terrible memory, Thomas, but I don't remember three years ago there being as much of a fuss about this. I mean, I think... Labour had a pretty convincing majority, so maybe we didn't think about it. But were there complaints three years ago like this? No, there weren't. And actually, I think uh, three years ago, uh, the issue is that the outcome of the election was very clear. And actually, I think three years ago, Labour and the Greens, because Labour's majority was, was clear on the night, Labour and the Greens actually sorted out their arrangement prior to the final count being done. Yeah, what about back in 2017? Do you remember that far back? Back then, the, the wait for special votes was shorter, so we've added a week. Oh, um, right. The counting of the official tally obviously takes longer now because of the large number of these special votes. Because of that, the Electoral Commission was given an extra week, to, essentially, to count them. So 2020, 2017, sorry, you just have a fortnight, um, and now you have three weeks. Well, one day shy of three weeks. And if you have a look at the number of special votes, it's gone up and up through the last few elections. In 2017, there were 446,000. In 2020, 504,000. And this year, 603,000. In 2020, I guess the other thing is that the result on the night was slightly clearer because you had a large number of advance voting as well. And and you've had slightly less advance voting this time around. That 2020 change, did that only come in this election, right? It was last election too, but for some reason uh, people cared less. I I think people, to your point earlier, people did care less because everyone knew the shape of the government, which was a Labour majority government, and that wasn't likely to change. Whereas this time round, I think um, the, the weight is being agonising because people wanted to work out where New Zealand first fitted into the mix. And we're still waiting for that outcome. That's part of the beauty, or slog, whichever way you look at it, of MMP, our voting system. MMP's delivered some interesting results, like overhangs, which our co-host Sharon Brett Kelly covered in an earlier podcast with Peter Dunn. But let's get Thomas to give us a quick review on what MMP is all about. MMP was brought in after a referenda. So the first MMP election was 1996, but it was it was confirmed in a referendum in 1993. So it was basically brought in um, by accident. I mean, there's a, there's a long sort of history, I guess. First past the post is basically you strip out the party vote and then just have electorate votes, and whoever wins the most electorates wins. The problem with that is that it can occasionally mean that the party that wins the most electorates and is able to form a government is actually not the party that wins the most votes over the whole country. The Muldoon government, for instance, won three elections, but in two of them it lost the overall popular vote um, to Labour, which is a a problem democratically, I guess. So there was a a Royal Commission uh, under the fourth Labour government to look at um, different reforms. The electoral system, uh, during a t- televised debate um, for an election, David Longy said that Labour's policy was to hold a referendum on the electoral system. It actually wasn't uh, the, the party policy. There was a cue card error. Uh, <laughs> so that was, um, that's, you know, a flaw. This government supported the move to have the Royal Commission and we will, uh, in the next term, refer that report to a parliamentary select committee. A referendum will thereafter be held the challenger, Jim Bolger, uh, matched this promise and lived up to it, held a referendum on what sort of system we might want to switch to. MMP won that um, referendum, then went to a rough runoff referendum where uh, MMP was pitted against the incumbent electoral system, first past the post, and it won. And then in 1996, we had the first MMP election. Now we're, we're stuck with it. Back in 1987, when David Longy made that cue card error, 
he spoke of a country which he apparently thought had a good voting system. I think the German one is an example of it. I think other forms of proportional representation, uh, you can have uh, not just the tail wagging the dog, but the flea wagging the tail, and that would be crazy. So yes, Germany's where MMP's from. So we've called German-born Oliver Hartwich, the executive director of the New Zealand Initiative, to explain how it works over there. We invented it after World War II. But nevertheless, I mean, despite operating under MMP, both countries actually play it very differently. And, okay, it's been in New Zealand now for 30 years, and yet we are still playing MMP with an FPP accent. It's impossible, of course, to get my German accent out of me. It is impossible <laughs> to get the FPP accent out of New Zealand MMP. <laughs> <laughs> FPP obviously means first past the post, so that was yep. the traditional system that we used. What's the difference between New Zealand and Germany? Well, the biggest difference is actually the Germans have played this for a lot longer now. The other difference is in Germany, of course, you have a federal system. So Germany has 16 federal states, the Länder. And then, of course, there is the federal government in Berlin. So altogether, you've got 17 different parliaments. And that also means that you have 17 elections, separate elections for all of these parliaments. Now, the election term for the federal government in Berlin, for the federal parliament, is four years at the state level, at the lender level, it's five years typically. There's only one state, the tiny state of Bremen, that goes to the polls every four years. So basically, it's every five years at the state level, every four years at the national level. But if you combine the two, it means that every three and a half months on average, there's an election somewhere in Germany. Wow. And these elections are followed by everybody in Germany because often they are seen as really important test elections for the mood at the national level. And therefore, if you have this system going every three and a half months, you've got an election somewhere in the country and you play this for more than 70 years. Well, you, you get to a certain routine. You know how the system is played. Whereas in New Zealand, of course, we are only doing this every three years. We haven't got states. We can't actually practice this in the meantime. So maybe there is a bit of a lack of muscle memory when it comes to just how it works, how elections work, how MMP works, how coalition negotiations work. Whereas in Germany, this is a much more routine kind of thing. And I think that's really one of the biggest differences. Yeah, because the only time we really have elections between the three-year cycle is the local government elections. And that's mm. done differently depending mm -hmm. on where you are in the country. Indeed. What are some of the issues that we've seen in New Zealand that makes you think, oh, <laughs> we don't really know we've been paid? Well, let's start with the most infuriating bit, election day. Mm -hmm. I mean, on election day in New Zealand, you wouldn't actually get the impression that there's anything going on because nobody's allowed to talk about it. We pretend as if it's not happening because it's illegal, because you might influence someone. Never mind that you have a pre-election period where you can already vote. In Germany, of course, totally different. On election day, everybody's talking about nothing else. And the TV and radio programs are full of election coverage, even when people are still casting their votes. So that's a big difference. Other big difference... In Germany, the polls close at 6 o'clock. In New Zealand, of course, at 7. But really, at 6 o'clock, everybody knows the outcome. How? So, well, because there are exit polls in Germany. So what happens is that about, I think, fifteen or 20,000 people are surveyed after they cast their votes on that Sunday. It's a Sunday in Germany, not a Saturday. It's here. And you get a very accurate picture out of that. So the big broadcasters, so there are two public broadcasters, ARD and ZDF, so the equivalent of TVNZ, they have their own teams out in the country and they're surveying people just as they cast their votes. And when they come back, 
they have a very accurate picture of how the election went. And typically within maybe half a percent or a percent, they would get the election result right on the dot at six o'clock. Oh, don't you like that tension of the New Zealand results show? I guess it's a bit like a sports game, isn't it? Yeah, but if I want to have tension, I could watch a criminal story or you know, <laughs> a thriller or maybe even a football match. But I don't need that on election night. I like it orderly, I'm German. So, <laughs> so now really what we do is actually you get the election result at six o'clock and then basically you get the first statements from the party leaders. There is another tradition. It's got a strange uh, nickname. It's called the Elephant Round. So the Elephant Round or Elefantenrunde is a meeting of all the party leaders on national TV at quarter past eight on election night discussing the result. And there are some classic Elefantenrunden examples, so 2005, classic thing. Every every German knows where they were when it happened, when Gerhard Schröder lost the election and had the first discussion with Angela Merkel on TV and appeared drunk. Uh, so <laughs> we've had that, actually, and there's a ritual. And they can only have that discussion, of course, because they know what the outcome is. New Zealand, meanwhile, well, first of all, you wait a long time uh, during the election night, actually, for some kind of clarity where the result's going. And then, of course, um, we have another three weeks until the election commission gives you the final result after the specials are counted. What about the extra votes in, in Germany, you know, the special votes? How does that all work? Very different again, because in New Zealand, of course, you can vote for two weeks before the election. You go to any polling booth, really, and you cast your vote and you can do advanced voting. You can't do that in Germany. Well, you can cast your vote before, but you can't do it at a polling booth. So in Germany, you can apply for postal voting and then you get a postal voting pack. And in some states, actually, you get this as early as six weeks before election day. And then you can fill it in and um, post your vote and make sure that it is received on election day. If it is received on election day, it is counted with every other vote and therefore they have the result early on. And there is none of this um, trouble of counting votes and making sure that they arrive a little bit later. And you've got 13 days now in New Zealand to transfer them from wherever, Dunedin to Auckland. And you've got 10 days actually for international votes to be received. In Germany, that's different. In Germany, it's the voters' responsibility to fill in your forms early enough so that they actually make it to the count by election night. And you've got a bit more time for that, but there is no advance voting of the kind that we have here. Typically what happens after the election, the morning after the election, the parties start so-called Sondierungen, meaning informal talks between party leaders, parties of the normal democratic spectrum. Out of democratic politeness, at least they have a chat. They start talking, they're trying to figure out, is there anything we might want to do with each other after this election? And then once they have an initial idea where the other parties stand, that's when formal coalition talks begin. And often they are concluded relatively quickly. Uh, quite, a, quite a bit of difference there. So what do you think about having to wait so long in limbo in New Zealand? I'm getting used to it now over the years. In the beginning, I found this very strange. But actually, there are some upsides to that as well, because this is a strange kind of period in the New Zealand political calendar. This is the only period where the parties can actually talk to each other without any officials present. 
far away from the eyes of the media. Nobody really knows what's going on, except there is a lot going on just behind closed doors. And perhaps that allows parties a bit more creativity that otherwise they wouldn't have. Because for practically the whole rest of the parliamentary term, they will be under close scrutiny, always with officials present, always under um, the threat of being subject to uh, Official Information Act requests, whereas the current period of three weeks is actually where the politicians are basically left alone and they have time to think just on their own. Okay, well, there's been a bit of quibbling, I guess, about the process from the likes of uh, Paddy Gower. Do you think that that kind of criticism is valid? Well, I'm almost tempted to defend it a little bit, the system here, because, of course, you know why we take so long. This is not because we're inefficient. That's got nothing to do with it. It's because the intention in New Zealand is to make sure that anyone in this country can vote, no matter where they are on election night and no matter whether they're even on the roll. So you might be typically resident in Auckland where you have to vote, but on election day you find yourself in Dunedin and then you realize, ah, bugger, I'm not even on the roll. So you can actually enroll in Dunedin on election day, vote for your Auckland electorate and still be counted with your vote. That's the intention. And that's a laudable intention because we want to make sure that nobody misses out. We want to give everybody a chance to have a voice in the election. It's really important. But in the way we're doing this, in the way we're trying to achieve that goal, we accept that this will take an awfully long time. We might accept it, but Aotearoa seems to have fallen in and out of love with MMP. Thomas Coughlin explains. There was a referendum under the key government to see whether New Zealanders liked it, and we voted that we did. But then after that, in 2012, there was a review on MMP where, for example, um, it recommended lowering the party vote threshold from 5% to 4%, amongst other things. But that hasn't seemed to have happened, though. One of those reviews that had very little, if anything, lifted from it and adopted. Why? The issue is that the parties in Parliament are dependent on the current system. At that time, you had an issue of the ACT Party and Epsom, which is aligned with the national government. If you reduced the threshold, it still wouldn't have been enough for ACT at that time to have made it over the made it into Parliament. And, and I guess if you'd reduce the, remove the coattailing rule, which is another rule that people want to get rid of, which is the rule that if you win one seat, then you can bring an equivalent, um, equivalent uh, members equivalent to your party vote into Parliament, which is what Party Māori did last election. There's also the electoral law reform that Labour took on, and they got another report done, which uh, the draft version came out this year, and it... Uh, Advocated for like lowering the voting age to 16, extending voting rights to all prisoners, holding a referendum on uh, extending the parliamentary term from three to four years, and then lowering the party vote threshold from five to 3.5 percent, and abolishing that coattail rule that you were talking about. A lot of stuff. Now, with the new government, do you think any of this will actually come to pass? I can't see much of it happening, no. (laughs) I mean, they've already said no to lowering the voting age. It would be interesting to see um, what they think about the threshold. I think um, there might be some appetite for lowering the threshold. I think the four-year term is still on the agenda, but it's, it's hard to see electoral reform being at the top of the agenda for anyone, frankly. Oliver Hartwich has some ideas for change. Reform could come in two different parts. So on the one hand, you could actually just make the system we have work better. There are a few tweaks that I think anyone can agree to because um, they are so obvious. So the first thing is 
stop this stupid ban on election coverage on election day. Let us talk freely about it. It's a nonsense when you've got advanced voting. It doesn't matter whether you're left, right or center. I mean, this this rule doesn't make sense anymore. This is nonsense. The other thing is actually, let's play this then properly as an MMP system. So, for example, we have the Port Waikato by-election because um, the ACT candidate died during the election campaign and therefore we have a by-election which will result in an overhang mandate for national. That kind of rule that you would have a by-election because of the death of a candidate doesn't really make sense under MMP. So we should change that. I wonder whether we shouldn't actually have the same number of list party MPs as we have in the constituencies. In Germany, uh, it's 50-50. And so once you have a system where more MPs coming through the list, that automatically reduces the likelihood of an overhang. And so I wonder whether we shouldn't actually recalibrate Parliament and have more list MPs. Actually, should we do that? I would probably keep the constituencies that we have and just extend the number of MPs because I also think that our Parliament is probably a little bit too small. That may not be a popular position to hold in New Zealand, but I think Parliament would probably work better if we made it a little bit larger. And finally, I think we should also extend the parliamentary term. I think everybody agrees these days three years is too short because we hardly have time for real decent policy making, and it would be better to just go to four years up. And one last thing, can we please change the election date? I think having an election in October is a recipe for disaster because once you account for the time it takes to count the votes, you account for the time it takes to form a government in coalition talks, you get to Christmas and then everybody goes on holiday and then we got back, get back to work basically round Waitangi Day. And so the new government then only starts work in February. So after about half a year after the election, we actually get back to work. I actually think giving the new government time to actually get some stuff done before going on holiday rather than doing it the other way around would just make sense. I think MMP's virtues are probably overstated because First Past the Post had a pretty bad run in the, in the last years of its existence in New Zealand. Obviously, it delivered the Muldoon government, which actually you know wasn't winning the popular vote, and then it delivered um, the fourth Labour and National governments to power, where they use the extreme powers that a first-past-the-post system gives to a government in a unicameral legislature like we have, um, where there's no upper, upper house know anything that can stop them uh, and it basically allowed those governments to take massive reform programs with very little pushback because you have a, a, a very strong electoral system that delivers strong governments and no pushback from another house or something else or a supreme court or something like that. The trade-off is that we have these kind of um, fairly weak governments. We have the issue of New Zealand first, four elections out of ten being in the sort of kingmaker position, whether or not that is what people wanted in 1993. It's not a pitch for one uh, or the other, but I think there are trade-offs between electoral systems and it's always wise to look at them with your eyes open. That's it for today. I'm Tom Kitchen. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders. Our producers are Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Thomas Coughlin and Oliver Hartwich. Ma te wa.